Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,125. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Folsom, California. No, I'm not in Folsom Prison. Didn't do anything wrong. I'm in Folsom, California, with a very special guest enjoying some fine beers that he brews by the name of Eric Schmid. Eric, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am, man. Let's let's let that clutch out and get going, Mark. I'm excited. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into your world, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Eric? I have an immense fear of flying. Really? Okay. Well, this is interesting. Did that start with some kind of incident or has it just been something in your genetics? It's just gotten worse as I've gotten older. I didn't used to, I used to travel for work. I was a software salesperson for a long time and uh, didn't really bother me, but I don't know what it is about getting older. I just do not like being on planes. It's a lack of control thing for me more than anything else. But yeah, it's, I don't think... You know, now everybody knows, Mark, because it's going to be on your podcast, so everybody in the world can know. You know, th- this is interesting, and maybe somebody will reach out to you that is a similar affliction and will offer you some ideas on how to overcome that so that it doesn't compromise your ability to travel. Because, boy, these days, and with the cost of gas, I think it's cheaper to fly than it is to yeah. drive anywhere. Well, I'm sorry you have to deal with that. You know, flying is one of those things that has become, in my opinion, a lot less fun. Oh, yeah. It used to be when I was a lot younger, people got dressed up to get on planes. They behaved themselves. They were polite. They were nice. And boy, now some of the stuff you see that happens not only on social media, say YouTube, but just when you're there at the airport and the the misbehavior of people just is appalling to me. The microcosm of the world we live in, Mark. I guess. I guess. Um, You know, just be kind. Everybody else is in the same boat. You got to be patient. I think flying today seems to be a massive test of our patience for sure. Yeah. So, well, shoot. Well, uh, wasn't there, uh, wasn't Madden a coach that never flew? He always took a bus everywhere. Yeah, I think he had a bus that drove him all over the country when he was coaching for the Raiders and afterwards when he was broadcasting. Yeah. Uh, I, I could get down with that, a nice, you know, a nice country coach or Prevost or something and well, go trip around a country. I just can't afford one. So. That would be nice. Or maybe the other alternative, since you like control, become a pilot. Learn how to fly so you can be up front controlling everything. Yeah. That, you know, it's not a bad idea. It'd be interesting to see if I uh, if I had the same issues, whether I was flying versus riding. For a lot of people, I think it's the idea of being in this tube and not being able to get yeah, out. It's a claustrophobic thing um, and just not being able to do anything when a situation comes up, you know, turbulence, whatever. I don't feel like I'm going to die or the plane's going to crash. I'm not afraid of dying or anything like that on there. I just, just don't like the sensation of the plane bouncing around and me not being able to control it. Well, we'll stay on the ground today. Don't worry about that. Thank you, Mark. No, he's doing any flying. Let me give you a proper introduction. Eric Schmid owns a VW bus-inspired brewery called the Red Bus Brewing Company. He has found a way to combine his passion for cars and his craft for brewing beers. How cool is that? His uh, hyper-local craft brewery serves as a gathering place for the local beer community. And although 
He's Porsche and VW-centric. I like you even more now that I know that. He and his team host all marks of automobiles at gatherings in their place for enthusiasts. Eric has had about uh, 40 unique vehicles in his garage, and today he plays with a 1965 Baja Bug a 68 VW Transporter, a 74 Westphalia, and, oh, I love this, a 1970 914.6 race car and a Porsche Cayman. You know, I'm, I'm not talking to you. I'm thinking about buying a Cayman. He has competed uh, to earn his SCCA competition license, or he's completed it, I should say, and he looks forward to running that 914 in vintage racing events in the future. We're going to learn a lot more about you in a minute and your beer passion, your car passion, but first a word from our sponsors, so we'll give them a little love. And we'll be right back. Here's a toast to you, my friend. You know I've been an advocate for Covercraft products to protect my vehicles for decades. But did you know that they also offer you top quality products for your boats and watercraft? Covercraft puts their quality design, manufacturing, and fabrics into their full cover bimini tops, T-tops, boat lift covers, outboard motor covers, personal watercraft, and accessories. Protect your marine toys from damaging UV ray, and you'll get the same high-quality fit and finish you've come to know for your road vehicles for your watercraft. And I've got a great offer for you as well. As usual, use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off, and you get some free shipping too. Simply use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you on the road and even on the water. Visit Covercraft.com today. I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day and he asked me about American Collectors Insurance. He said, while I listen to you on Cars Yeah, you're always talking about agreed value collector car insurance. Well, I insure all my cars on my regular auto insurance policy and I've done it for years. Why use a different company for my collector cars? I get a multi-car discount. Isn't that good enough? I suggested he call his carrier and ask how much he would get if his collector car was totaled or stolen. He called back and said, boy, that was a scary conversation. Their value of my car wasn't even close to what it's really worth. Thank you for the education, Mark. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you receive with an agreed value policy. American Collectors Insurance has been protecting enthusiasts since 1976. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green's at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, Eric, we are back. Now, I've got to ask you, what got you into the brewing uh, world and beers? Because you must have a deep passion for this, but you've combined cars. I mean, you've even named your business after a car. So where's all this coming from? Uh, one one person, that'd be my dad, um, both the cars and the beer. He was a Volkswagen guy from the get-go, and then his parents had bought him a 356 when he graduated college. Um, they bought a 912. I learned to drive in a 969-912. So we always had Volkswagens and some older Porsches in the house. And then likewise, in the late 70s, early 80s, he was bored, I think, on weekends at home. Um, and he started homebrewing and making beer at home. And there weren't a lot of ingredients available to homebrewers. You know, Jimmy Carter was the one that made homebrewing legal. So it was just after that when my dad started. So there wasn't a ton of products to choose from. But he would do it at the house. And I remember the smells and the 
the activity and helping him bottle. And then um, when he'd screw up, I remember the bottles exploding in the garage while my friends and I'd be playing basketball out front. Oh, my God. <laughs> but no, he, he got me going. And then um, I went to school up the road here. You know, I'm in, in the Folsom, Sacramento area. I went to school up at Chico State in the uh, late 80s, early uh, 90s. And uh, Sierra Nevada was just getting a foothold up there and, and becoming what they are today. And um, you combine my dad's home brewing and the Sierra Nevada experience up there. And that, that's where the beer thing kind of really took hold. And then, you know, how do we get interested in these cars, right? It just kind of happens and uh, you can't get away from it. Even if you try. It's in our, in our blood, as I say, the oil runs in our blood. Well, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that sell beer. I mean, it seems like a, a super hyper competitive area of business and to try to do that on i don't know what kind of budget you had or what kind of how you have built your business but what made you be so bold as i should say to go you know what i think i'm going to make a career out of this i'm going to have a place where people can come and gather and do car things and combine all these passions together uh was that something that just came to mind one day or is it something that was excuse the pun brewing in your head <laughs> <laughs> it's been brewing for a while i um i was in the tech software industry in the late 90s and uh september 11 2001 i was working for a little startup and uh, we lost all of our funding after that within the months following that you know the world just kind of changed and i had i was a really avid home brewer i was 30 31 about that time and uh, had some friends that were professional brewers that had gone through a, a correspondence school called the american brewers guild and when i got laid off i i really didn't know what i wanted to do i just i didn't want to get back into the traveling all the time, selling software kind of thing. And uh, one of my good friends, named Andy Klein, he owns a, a brewery in Roseville called The Monk Cellar here. Uh, we've been home brewers for a long time. He took it to the next level. And he said, you know what? You should just spend the money and go through this correspondence school. You're such a good home brewer. And I did it. And uh, about the same time, I met my wife. And when I graduated from the guild, it's like 2001 or two. I was selling homes. I'd actually become a realtor. I've done a lot of different things, Mark. I mean, I'm a serial entrepreneur. You know, I just like, I like trying different things. So I, uh, I wanted to open a pub at the time, you know, a full restaurant and brewery here in Folsom. And uh, it just wasn't the right time. We didn't have the money. She didn't really want to be in the restaurant business. I didn't want to go gather money from family and investors and all. I just don't want to deal with that. So what had happened is I was buying all my ingredients at this little shop in Folsom, a little home brewing store. And uh, I would host beer tastings in my house and got to know the owners pretty well. And I was in there one day and the owner's wife was like, hey, you know, you want to buy the shop? You know, I, we, we can't run it anymore. My husband's too busy. I have two little girls. And I said, well, what makes you think you want, that I want to buy it? And she said, well, because you know everything about this stuff. I mean, when you come in here, you, you help more customers than we do. Okay. And, um, so I ended up buying a homebrew store here in, in Folsom called the Brewmeister. I grew that up. I mean, I think we did. $70,000 in revenue the first year. And um, I did about two fifty the first year I owned it. And then I opened another one in Roseville, another one in West Sacramento. And I had a fourth one uh, down in Elk Grove by 2015. And um, we were doing about a million dollars a year in revenue. And that's a big change from the 72 he did the year I bought it. <laughs> Huge. I mean, so I got to ask you this, being somewhat entrepreneurial myself, and people love to hear about entrepreneur's story. What were some of the things you did that helped make that be successful? Well, when I bought the store, um, you know, part of it was luck, Mark, and timing. Um, I, I, I got lucky in that it timed pretty well with the craft beer uh, kind of resurgence here, and especially in the West. But, you know, I went to school. I had a finance degree. I, I ran a subway store in college. Like, I've always been interested in business and how they work. 
um, you know, how to, how to pull the strings different ways and, and be profitable. And so when the homebrew shop opportunity came up, I came home and asked my, my wife, like, what do you think? And I said, the worst thing is I'm going to meet more people and, and maybe press more palms and, and get some more home listings, you know, uh, just a networking thing. Right. And I mean, I, I, I added up the inventory at the store and I bought the store for like $8,000. That's the website, all the, uh, inventory, everything. It was a steal, you know, and oh, yeah. uh, it was just a no brainer. And so, um, you know, it was limited investment, limited risk. If it wouldn't work, I was out eight grand, you know, um, and all of the, at that time, there was a lot more focus from the, um, the beer ingredient suppliers, you know, malt, hops, yeast. They were making a real push to offer home brewing size items. So, you know, yeast to do five gallons, hops to do five gallons. And that kind of timed in with it too. And just taking a business that was originally started by a couple of Intel executives as like a tax write-off so they could write off their brewing stuff and then sold to this little guy. They was never really run like a business. So it was just, you know, more products, merchandising. Um, there really wasn't much social media back then. It was just word of mouth, going to brew fests, going to the local brew clubs. And I had a passion for it. And I think that showed too, like people really understood that it wasn't just a business. I really was into it and I cared about making them better at what they do. So did the combining of your passion for brewing and beer and then your passion for cars give it more? Because I always say niche down, niche down. You know, you hear this all the time. Don't try to be a big broad Amazon or Walmart or whatever, you know, niche down, niche down to something, a specialty that people can associate with. Did that tie in with automotive help you? Um, well, see, the Brewmeister is a totally separate thing from the brewery. So that's a that's a, a chain of home brewing stores that I own called the Brewmeister, and I still own those. But in about 2016, um, I had a manager in place, and I really just kind of oversaw the accounting and the bookkeeping and payroll and stuff, and I got bored. And you know what happens when I get bored, Mark, is I start buying cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Um, I was sitting on the patio with my wife. I think it was in early 2016. And she was like, what, what's going on with this car thing? And I'm like, well, what difference does it make? We're making money on them. You know, I would buy them and hold them for about a year and experience them and would always get what I bought, bought them for. You know, I, I just, I don't buy cars and sell them necessarily to flip them and make money. I do it because I want a Carmen Ghia and I want to drive it and see what it's like. And then six months later, I'm like, oh no, I want a single cab pickup. And I end up making a deal. To, you know what I mean? It's just kind of experiencing things. It's fun. And so we were talking about that. And she's like, you're bored. I can see it. You're bored. And I said, well, yeah, I kind of want to do the brewery thing. Like, that's what I went to school to do. And, um, you know, but I'd, I'd have to use a good chunk of our retirement to do it. And she's like, no, I don't care. Like, you know, we've seen our retirement go like this and then like this down Every time there's a market swing, it goes to half. Like she's like, I'd much rather make a bet on ourselves. And so I found a little company in San Diego that helped me um, roll my IRA and 401k money into a, a, a retirement trust. So it stayed qualified money. And we were able to take the retirement trust and invest it in shares of our own company. Really slick way to do it. And then we pretty much bought ourselves back out of it in the four, four and a half years we've been open, which is the idea. You buy it, you're C Corp. And then you rapidly try and buy a retirement account out of it as soon as you can while the company's not worth a lot. And um, so it's a big risk. Um, 
But in doing that, when I, when I started the brewery, I didn't have a theme. Like I didn't know what it was going to be associated with at all. It was just being built. And I knew that would take a while. And, um, but I was really into cars. Um, you interviewed a good friend of mine, Michael Tatro, years ago. Oh, yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So Mike, Mike was one of my best friends. Real? Okay. Huge well, supporter. the small of my car world that it is. Yeah, huge supporter of my brewery. And um, so I got to know him. Our cars and coffee scene here in Folsom is huge. It's awesome. And um, anyway, I was looking. My brewery's in a little industrial area, and it's about four or five blocks up off the little historical uh, restaurant district in Folsom. And um, I was worried about getting people from down there where that's where all the people are walking around, getting them up to the brewery. So I, I started searching for a, like a, just like an Econoline or a Chevy van or something, you know, because a big parking garage down there or even a couple of golf carts, street legal golf carts. And then I would just, I could shovel people up. And in doing that, I was just going through Craigslist and I found this old 68 bus down in San Jose and I was like, oh, my gosh, wouldn't that be cool? So I just bought it, you know, and um, started what, fixing what it What year up. was that? What year was that? What year was the bus? Or what year did no, I get what it? year did you get the bus? Because I'm thinking buses now are like a fortune. Uh, I bought it in 2016, uh, the year before I opened the brewery, or no, 2017, um, right around the first year. And um, it wasn't worth a lot. It's a bay window. It was pretty rough. It had a lot of surface rust. And so I ended up just rolling – some 415 red paint on it to kind of stop it from surface rusting and put some decal, uh, you know, some decals on it. Actually, I didn't put any decals on it right away. I was just driving it around while I was fixing it up. And the reaction that you get from people, and it doesn't have to be a bus, but especially old Volkswagens. Well, everybody has a story and a connection to them. I mean, not maybe not everybody. Most people do. They, their family had them. They had them. Their roommate had them. The buses especially, there's just this nostalgia associated with, you know, the hippie movement and the yeah, surfing, California, all that fun California, stuff. California, yeah. And, and especially what really shocked me was like teenagers today. You just drive by and their jaw would just drop and look, you know, it's a big smile because they just don't see them like we used to, you know. And, uh, and it was red. And um, I had a friend of mine who was kind of helping me toss around some themes for the brewery. And we had settled on this one. It was more historical in reference uh, called uh, William Alexander Brewing Company. William, William Alexander Liesdorf was this guy. Um, a part African-American man in the 1860s that accomplished so much in Northern California at the time. He owned a hotel in San Francisco. He helped settle what now became Folsom. He was one of the first people to ever sail a steamship up the, up the Delta. But it was very serious. You know, it was like Sam Adams almost and in a very serious face. I felt like I just kind of explained this to everybody that came in the brewery. Like, where did this name come from? Who is this guy? Where is he? Right. So I, I dropped this, hey, how about Red Bus Brewing Company to my marketing buddy? He does all my graphics still. And he was like, what? What? I'm like, yeah, it's symmetrical, red bus. It's a VW bus. It's fun. Like, beer's supposed to be fun. And we have a lot of very serious breweries down here in Sacramento where they're and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. They're just a little stuffy and a little too serious. I almost feel like um, you should be happy to be there, you know, um, whereas I didn't want that. I just I just wanted to be fun, kind of a clubhouse, hanging out in your neighbor's garage kind of thing. Um, this is where I drank a lot of my beers, just hanging out with buddies while we're talking about cars. And um, so that's, that's kind of where it came from. Um, ended up tattooing up the bus. Um, I bought another roller to put out front. So we have a monument, a bus sign. It's a monument out front with a little library in the back. And uh, we have the back of another bay window that's in the brewery. 
Um, a lot of the old Volkswagen literature ads, I don't know if you remember the 60s and 70s ads, they're just so creative and so funny. Those littered all over the bathrooms. Um, Tatro gave me like 300 license plates. We made light fixtures out of them. and uh, Everything in there is car. It's all car. Well, themes are great when it comes to eating, uh, drinking, dining, whatever. And you're right. Everybody loves the VW bus. So uh, what a, a, a fun success story. Well, we'll take a short break for our sponsors. Uh, we come back. I want to talk a little bit about maybe a challenge you faced with this whole project and how you overcame that. So keep that in mind and uh, we'll raise our glasses and we'll be right back. AutoGeek's Blackfire SiO2 Spray Sealant. It's a spray-on, wipe-off sealant that's quick, safe, and easy to clean and protect your vehicles. I love using it on all my cars. AutoGeek's Blackfire SiO2 Spray Sealant is a spray-on, wipe-away sealant that uses SiO2 ingredients to provide a slick, brilliant, and long-lasting shine. Silicon dioxide is known to be one of the most effective ingredients in car care products, and Blackfire Spray Sealant takes advantage of every stunning feature it has to offer. This sealant will protect your paint from road film, dirt, and other common contaminants while providing an impeccable, long-lasting, hydrophobic surface that forces water to sheet and bead on your paint for months. Go to autogeek.net to get yours and for the best product selections on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Check them out today. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe, that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand-mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. So let's talk about this challenge question. I asked all my guests this question. It's really more about how you overcame it. What it taught you is the really important part of any challenge, any failure. So can you maybe walk us through uh, maybe a few times that the, the beer may have fell flat? 
<laughs> a, lot, a lot of beer puns here tonight. Yeah, yeah. I've got <laughs> I got two of them. Um, and I'll make them quick because I know you probably like them or two. But um, on my my homebrewing stores, um, I had three of them in 2014, and uh, I feel like I got a little bit greedy and opened another one down in kind of the southern part of Sacramento in Elk Grove. And I thought for sure it was a winner, and I could have been further from the truth. I mean, I, I opened it and um, within a year I had to close it. There just wasn't the market um, for homebrewing down there. Um, and, you know, it was very frustrating at the time and it cost me some money, obviously, but, um, I learned a lot from it. Um, I learned to do a little more research. Um, I looked at just the population down there and it's very, it's a very populated area, but it's also a, uh, it's a commuter town. Oh. A lot of people live in Elk Grove, commute down to the Bay Area. Um, there's also a very high percentage of, um, of Mormons. and. Um, oh, yeah, they don't drink. <laughs> yeah, and, and a huge Asian population that just really isn't into homebrewing. Um, and I, I don't even think about that. You know, I just looked, oh, man, there's 300,000 people who live there. This is a no-brainer. So um, I learned from that experience to not just jump in. Um, and so fast forward a few years so Folsom's a town of, I don't know, roughly 100,000 people um, just uh, just east of Sacramento. People aren't familiar with it. And um, we have 80-plus breweries in the greater Sacramento area now. Wow. It's, it's a lot. And um, it's quite a thriving beer scene here. But with that, with the competition, it makes it really hard to carve your piece of the pie out. So when I started looking, um, yeah, I looked at – other cities and spaces, but Folsom was really where I wanted to do it because we don't have, we have no breweries here. There's, there hasn't been a brewery in Folsom since the 1880s. Oh, wow. Um, there's a sake uh, plant here. Um, there's sake and also um, soy sauce that's made here by a couple of Japanese companies because they come here specifically because of the, the water. It's so soft. Um, so one of the sake companies actually licenses a brewery, but they're not a brewery, obviously. They make sake. So um, the city did not really, in their zoning, have a uh, they really have breweries in the zoning map or the zoning code. So they didn't know what to do with them, which made it really hard for other people as they were trying to open them here. And then the other thing is we don't have a lot of industrial space, so your only options were to put them in these commercial centers that are really expensive. And so I, I luckily was already renting in one of the few warehouses in Folsom and was able to... Um, to work with the city um, to correct one of their ordinances um, because they, it, it, it wasn't in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, in practice, the way it was put in in practice was not what they had, had tried to do. Um, it, it just uh, had this kind of circular reference and it made it confusing. So I worked with the city council for a couple months. They fixed it. Uh, my plans got approved and we moved forward. And I'm really glad I took the time to kind of look around at other spots, look at, you know, uh, the, the the cities that were impacted with other breweries and did one in my hometown, you know, it, that's important. And it's, it's four miles from my house. I can ride my bike. <laughs> so uh, the, a lot uh, of the neighbors, they come in, you know, the golden nugget here is do your homework, do your research yeah. first, right? Yeah. Well, you only get one time. You only get one chance to do it. Um, especially when you're going to spend a whole bunch of money. Yes, uh, absolutely. And when it's your own money, even, even more difficult. Yeah. Well, we spoke at the beginning about, 
cool cars and you've had a lot of cool cars you're really into cars most obviously is there one that stands out for you since you go through cars like maybe i go through socks sounds like see i buy a car and then i keep it for a long long time so i'm kind of the opposite um and then i like i just just sold my uh, a porsche of mine that i had for 13 years so uh, that's why i said we got to talk about caymans because i'm on the search for what the next thing uh, you sold a was it a 930 yeah, yeah, my orange, my, one? my orange crush. Yeah. Oh god, that car is beautiful. Yeah. Well, it lives right up the road actually. So, uh I just uh, heard from the new owner. He uh took it for a drive finally and loves it. So, uh it's in a new home and I tell you it's living in a place that uh I'd like to live in. Uh it's in a very very nice house in a garage that I'd like to live in that garage. And, oh, so you just and, you'd be happy with just the garage. Just the garage and it's surrounded by beautiful old Porsches. He's got quite a few. Uh So it's, uh, I kind of think about it as I didn't sell it. I just moved it to a museum and it's sitting there now enjoying its cousins and brothers and sisters. So that's the way I think about it. If I get a little too, uh, too sad, but uh, no, Uh, Orange Crush is in a good place, but tell me about one of your special vehicles. Um, So I, for me, I learned to drive. So when I was growing up, my dad had a 69 silver uh, 912. Um, and, you know, we were, my buddies and I had a basketball court in the driveway. That garage door was always down. We weren't allowed anywhere near that car. My dad was very particular. Um, I can't relate. Yeah, I, I got that way too. But, um, <laughs> he, to my surprise, when I got my permit, um, you know, we had scheduled a night to go out and learn how to drive. You know, we had a 60, 66 bug, I think at the time, do we still have it? We may not rabbit. We think we had an 81 rabbit. We had a 78, DL Volvo wagon. And we had his 912. And so I figured for sure I was going to get stuck in the Volvo. Yeah. You know, and he said, Oh, we're going to take the Porsche. And so he learned, he taught me to drive in his 912, which, you know, as a 15-year-old kid with a dad that's pretty particular about his cars, that means a lot. And um, so that stuck out to me. Um, the car was only in the garage another six months because as soon as I turned 16, he sold it. And oh. he was afraid <laughs> of what was going to happen. And then he kind of turned his back on Porsche and went to the Audi world for a while. Oh, and, okay. Or forever. I mean, he, he, he owned Audis until he passed away a couple of years ago. But uh, So that, that car always had a... Uh, you know, special meaning to me. And so, uh, when I, when I met my wife and we got married in the early two thousands, um, I had told her cause I, I had owned an 84, three, two Carrera in the nineties. That was a pretty, pretty great car. I had, um, I had one of those. It was a cab. Yeah. They're, they're, they're just great, ca- cars. great cars. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I had told her, you know, look, I, I really want another nine eleven someday and uh she's like go whatever you know and so we waited quite a long time and then um i was in a pretty bad mountain bike accident in 2015 Uh, went over the handlebars i broke my jaw on both my arms and uh, when i recovered from that i was i just kind of had a little bit different outlook on life which was you know you're here a limited amount of time and things can happen to you and the people around you and you need to do what you want to do now Exactly. I think COVID did that for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, it did. And um, so I was like, you know what, I'm buying. I'm going to go find the car. And so I spent quite a long time looking for it because um, I wanted um, Venetian blue or I wanted silver. And I wanted a coupe and I wanted a G50 coupe. And um, so I, I finally found one. It took me about six months. I found a silver uh, 88 coupe with about 90,000 miles on it. And I bought it. It was just down Livermore 
Um, one owner, you know, all the records, original paint, original motor, uh, really a terrific car. I sent you a picture of it. Oh yeah. It's, it's a silver one with the ocean behind it. And, uh, really nice. Yeah. It's just a great car. And then I, I lowered it and I put bigger 17 inch wheels on it. And, um, really, really love that car because, um, when I, I had bought, I'd agreed to buy it and, um, I needed to ride down there. So I, I called my dad. He didn't know why. <laughs> I said, look, you know, dad, I need to ride down to Livermore. He's like, well, what do you mean ride to Livermore? You never asked me for a ride. I'm like, come on, dad, it's a special day. I'm not going to tell you until we get down there. So he drove me down there and, and, uh, we both saw the car. I went for a ride in it. And, um, my dad's been gone about two years. Um, but we lost, I mean, we both just lost it in the car at balling. Yeah, just the, the memories. Yeah. This, this is why these old cars mean so much to all of us. I mean, my kids, I taught them to drive in my 72 911S. And I did it because I wanted them to forever say, I learned how to drive a stick in a 72S, you know? And uh, it, it was one of those cars that just brought back memories for me from the 70s because I had a friend whose dad had one, a 72, and he let me drive it. And I was like, wow. And I wanted a Porsche so bad, but I bought yep. a Carmen Ghee instead. That was my poor man's Porsche. Hey, all right. Yeah, but that was a nice car. So now that we've gone down this uh, memory lane and we've shed a few tears a little bit here, I'm going to crawl into your skull, all right? Be your <laughs> car psychologist. If you were reincarnated, manifest as a car. Now, this isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive your personality in some type of vehicle. What would you be and why? <laughs> Oh, man, you know what I'd like to be is like a 935. Well, of course, we all would. But I'm not that. I mean, if you're asking what I am, I'm I'm probably more of a, uh, oh, something that switches lanes a lot, gets blown around, Um, probably like a bug, to be honest. I don't drive that fast on the street. Yeah. Um, I'm deliberate. If I see something shiny, I'll turn and go that (laughs) way. So I would say, you know, I think an old Volkswagen suits me i know that's kind of a cop-out answer for a guy no i don't i don't think so i kind of see that in you and i know one of the cars i mentioned at the intro was a baja bug and you know i had rod emery on this show and his grandfather or his dad rather but his grandfather was into him too invented the baja bug which i never i never knew that I didn't either. It was because of a, a crashed Volkswagen where he cut off the front and started driving around. I said, well, it's kind of unbalanced. And he cut off the back. And then all of a sudden people were going, what is that? It's a Baja bug. And it was born. You know, I mean, it's pretty cool story. I, and I never knew that. And I, I known Rod a, a long time and he builds some pretty insane rides. Oh yeah. yeah. Every time I think I buy a lottery ticket, I put I put Singer on there. And I put Rod Emery on there right. <laughs> to, to build me an outlaw and to build me a singer. I think that's the way to do it. Is there a great book that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Um, I, I don't really have a car book per se. It doesn't um, have to be. Could be I, any I kind of book. Eat as much as I should, Mark. <laughs> you know, um, I absolutely. It's not a book. I got two things. I love the Haggerty Drivers Club magazine. I wait for that to come each quarter. It's a terrific publication. Um, I love my Panorama, PCA. Um, book I read recently I really liked um, was the Storyteller's Book by Dave Grohl, the Mother Food Fighters lead singer. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, and it was obviously before the, the tragedy of their drummer and everything, but man, he's an awesome storyteller. It's a really, really good book. It's called Storytellers by Dave Grohl. Uh, I enjoyed that book a lot. Great book. Yeah. Uh, Great guy. Yeah. Great band. Absolutely. So today I'm going to enable you to go on what I call the ultimate drive. Something I like to do for everybody. I'm going to buy you any car in the world, which is pretty cool. 
pretty nice offer. You get to go anywhere in the world and you get to take anybody, including somebody that maybe has passed, which opens up the opportunities pretty darn wide. I've heard just about everything from a drive with God to Gandhi to famous race car drivers, uh, all sorts of different people, and of course, family members too. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? Let's start with the vehicle. Um, Any car, I'm buying you anything. Open checkbook. Don't worry about it. I'm like your wife. Whatever you want, dear. Uh, yeah. It would, I mentioned already, it'd probably be at 935. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and God, I wish she's still around. It'd be Peter Gregg. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah. You know, I was, I was just a youngster when he was racing. Um, but he left because my dad, my dad took me to every IMSA race from Portland to Riverside as early as in his, when I was one. Wow. And I grew up going to those races and watching him um, wheel around the old 59 um, Porsches, especially the 935s. I remember seeing him at Sonoma, Sears Point back in the day, had a qualifying thing. He had the entire field passed in two laps, <laughs> starting dead last. Um Got to meet him once at Motel 6 on Del Monte in Monterey. Motel 6, wow. Yeah, we used to always stay at the same Motel 6 in front of the mo- in the fairgrounds there in Monterey. Anybody that's gone down there for years will know exactly where I'm talking about. It's across the street from the Denny's. Um, and uh, one day we were walking out to go to dinner from our hotel or motel, whatever, on the bottom floor. And um, My dad had his 912 down there, and um, some guys above us were like, hey, is that your Porsche? Said, yeah. And then uh, we looked up and it was, couldn't tell who it was, but then Peter Gregg walked out and Hurley wow. was, was there too. And he invited us up, signed some stuff for us and got to sit there and rap with them. I'll never forget it. I mean, he was my childhood hero. So if I could, if I could send a pastor see, I don't know how long I'd last um, before <laughs> I got sick, but um, if I could send a pastor see and go around some iconic tracks in the U.S. with him, I, uh, that would be something. Boy, wouldn't that be? Yeah, I have. I, I've had Hurley on the show twice now, and, he, and the last time we talked about his book that he did with Sean Cridlin, and talked a lot about Peter Gregg and uh, their friendship and racing. And if you read the book, I mean, there's a g- great bunch of stories about Peter Gregg in there, and uh, the triumphs and the tragedies, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, and the 935. Whoa, there you go. What a car! You have taken us on a fun ride today, my friend. This has been a fun combining brewing passion cars, VW buses, Porsches. I mean, we've gone all over the place today, which I think is great. Could you maybe end the show with some words of wisdom, inspiration, uh, parting thoughts or quotes or mantras? Follow your passion. I'm sure that others have said the same thing on here or told you this stuff before, but um, find something you love and go do it. You know, um, it took me a long time, but don't ever give up and um, have fun doing whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, like I said, it's become even more apparent. I think if COVID did anything positive, uh, it did that. It changed. And maybe that's why we have a labor shortage right now. A lot of people are probably right. doing things they didn't want to. So they're not doing them anymore. Uh, we need some help in that area. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, find your passion. That's what Cars Jazz is all about. Talking to people who found their passions and chased it. Talk to 2,125 people now and figured that out. So uh, a little secret sauce to life. How can people learn more about your business? Uh, it's Red. I have two businesses, Red Bus Brewing Company. Um, redbusbrew.com. Um, it's in old part of Folsom, California. I also have the Brewmeister, which is a couple of home brewing stores. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram. It's just at redbusbrew or pound redbusbrew, um, pound brewmeister. We're a little different in terms of what we make at the brewery. We're more of a classic styles kind of place. It's not all the new trendy stuff. So we make, you know, ESB and Porter and 
old school styles along with the new stuff. Um, and it's a pretty fun place and we do a lot of fun car events. So if you're in the Sacramento area, look us up. Most definitely. Sounds like the place to be. Uh, thank you for being so generous with your time tonight, this evening. I know we're doing this a little bit late, but that's pretty cool of you. And uh, congratulations to what you've built here. I mean, you're a guy who's figured out his passion, chased it and done it. Uh, and he's having fun. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners right now that are going, I need to call Eric and get some advice. Um, I've mentored a lot of people over the last few years, especially, who are looking to change their careers. They're they're doing something that provides them with a nice income, but they're just not happy. They want to do something different. Uh, so you're one of those guys that can offer that inspiration for sure. Until you and I talk again, my friend, until we raise a beer together, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.